0: To the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: It was a year ago that the Miami Marlins had reliever Brad Ziegler on their roster. It was always a time that Brad Ziegler would probably decide at some point to retire and get into broadcasting. So, one year ago, I said to Brad, "One day, you and I will be hosting a live radio show together." And go figure that day is today. Fantasy Sports today starts now
0: fantasy sports
1: today would you believe if i told you that the other eight home runs that riley has hit have been in the sixth inning or later has anybody even paid attention to that i know that that doesn't factor into fantasy so to speak but in reality think about that every time that the game is in doubt every time that they have needed a big hit he's hit one all right, welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish in the house again with you for the next two hours, Eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. 843 6879 As always, Chris Bavona is producing the show. we got a fun show lined up for you today. We're going to get into a lot of the baseball issues that are happening in both fantasy and reality. But a really uh, a special day, I think, here on Fantasy Sports Today. As I mentioned here at the top of the show uh, last couple of years, Brad Ziegler pitched for the Miami Marlins and then uh, abruptly just ended his career in the offseason with a retirement, which was very disappointing to me. I thought that he would come back for a 12th season in the big leagues and re-sign with the Marlins, but inevitably he chose to hang up the spikes because he knew one day he'd be able to host a radio show at FNTSY with me, right? Well, that's not exactly how it went, but kind of, sort of. Brad Ziegler with me for the next hour. It is obviously an honor and a pleasure. For us to finally uh, hook up live and do a live show together. Good, uh, good afternoon, good morning to you, Brad. Thank you so much for doing the show with me today.
2: My pleasure, man. And, and yeah, I mean, how I have an opportunity to either continue my baseball career or host a show with you—that's not even a question. Like retirement, here I go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I knew at the time, you know. I mean, I, I tried to talk the Diamondbacks out of trading for you. And keeping you here in South Florida so you could just do shows with me 24-7. But, look, you had to finish out that career. Somehow I had a feeling that getting paid, uh, I think it was $9 million last year, was worth finishing out the season for. But congratulations, <laughs> yes. to a, yeah, congratulations to a great career that wrapped up for you. And I know that we talk often, but not really on the air. So for those people who... Maybe hearing you uh, for the second, third, fourth. I, you've been on with Greg and Frank quite a bit here on the network, so obviously they've had a chance to hear uh, you. But uh, catch people up with what has been going on with you since you've retired, and, and kind of what what your next step in life and family and goals have been.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, I obviously the <laughs> the money last year was was tough to turn down. Um, I, I decided to to go ahead and um, accept the trade to Arizona, even though I really had no say in it. But uh, I, you know, I. I'm enjoying family life right now. Um, that was a big thing. My kids were getting older. Uh, my body was starting to break down a little bit and the combination was, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to, to be a good dad, be a good husband and, um, you know, be around and be able to be active with my kids. And I felt like if I continued playing baseball, uh, the, the trend that my body was going, it was going to be really tough to do that, you know, in a few years down the road. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a great run. I really enjoyed my, my time in the big leagues and, um, I, I think I probably lasted a whole lot longer than than most people ever thought I would, and um, you know, to be able to walk away on my own terms, uh, you know, it was it was something I was very excited to do, and um, I, I, you know, I'm really enjoying life right now. Though I'm I'm getting to do a lot of stuff that I didn't get to do while I was playing, and uh, having a blast doing it.
1: Did you, th- by the way, did you think? And I and I say that you know, I know you're not embarrassed about it because you you freely talk about it, but making $9 million to play baseball and and no disrespect to you, but understanding that at this stage of anybody's career with the way that the game has changed, I mean, had you come back, you could have played and you could have pitched. You probably would have gotten a few million, I think, to pitch for somebody this year. But the reality, Brad, is that that money that you made, like you received probably one of the last like kind of no offense, like overpays for relievers and players? I mean, look at what Craig Kimbrell just signed for, and, and we'll talk about that here on the show, but did you ever think that like it was just kind of like right place, right time with Miami to kind of cash in at the end of your career? Did you ever consider that?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, especially in Miami's situation. I mean, they they had just lost Jose Fernandez um, at the end of the season the year before, and um, they they didn't feel like there was a lot of starting pitching out there on the market that year, so they decided to to attempt to win games by beefing up their bullpen a little bit um, and, and it was, um, obviously that year was disappointing. 2017 was disappointing. And I was, I was fighting a, a pulled muscle in my back a lot of the season. And, um, it was, you know, I, I was excited for the the contract I got, obviously when I got it, um, you know, I know Brian Shaw got a, a nice big, big deal with Colorado, um, the next year. And I, I felt like I, in you a, know, in a, in a sense kind of helped set that one up. Um, at the same time, I, I think, um, teams are kind of trending the other way. Like they, we, you, I've heard you talk about it before the young guys in baseball are so prepared now that if you have an opportunity to pay them less a lot of a lot of teams are just going to go that route um if, if they even think guys are re- remotely comparable they're not taking the veteran with experience anymore because of the higher price tag that comes with them and, and and that's it's a big shift in the game and and it's hard for for those veteran guys to to get that contract still and um you know being a free agent is not what it used to be i will say that
1: yeah, and and it seems like based on what we saw in the off season, so many players are taking contracts of of less money, which leaves less money for people to buy sports memorabilia. So this worked out really well for you, <laughs> getting getting paid at the end of your career for sure. So uh, what we're gonna do here on the show is Brad is gonna join me every Thursday in the first hour, and I'm gonna pick his brain completely about fantasy baseball. And fantasy football, and the one thing that I will tell you as as we get closer to the fantasy football season is not just in terms of his acumen for fantasy football being at a high level uh, for a baseball player, but for anybody that I know, like like you eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. So, I mean, I don't (laughs) know how, how this happened that you got this far and this deep into the discussion with fantasy football, but I, I you, like, enjoy it just as much or more than baseball. So, I mean, I don't know how you get there. Like, but when did you have time to even watch college football when you're playing? Like, this is the first year you could sit down and watch, like, every game, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one thing about college football is, is being on Saturdays. A lot of times um, in, in baseball, you have a Saturday night game, so you get to the locker room at, at 12, 1 o'clock that day, and it's just on all day. It's on in the locker room. You see guys in the you know the there are a lot of uh, baseball players that are big time college football fans because they went to these southern schools that are big time football programs and the SEC schools, and um, they grew up in that area or the the California the Pac twelve schools, and it's just a big deal to them. It's been a part of their life since they were little kids. I, I'm not a college football guy at all. Like I the only thing I I would watch at all in college football is, is the playoffs. Um, and I, I love that they put the 14 playoff in. I honestly wish it was an 18 playoff just to add a little more excitement to it and get a couple more teams in there. Um, at the same time, like I, I don't really start paying close attention to college players until the combine. And, and that's when, um, I really start to feel like you can get a feel for who's going to be anywhere close to what they produced in college. And, um, you know, it, it's tough. It's a tough transition for those guys because they're going from being an elite top player on their college team to being, you know, in in a lot of cases, you know, fighting to make a team in the NFL. And it's tough to to project what those guys are going to do because the game, the NFL game, is just so much bigger and faster. But but fantasy football is such a big deal in in big league locker rooms, and that's where it, it was it was such a camaraderie thing. Um, when when you're in the locker rooms, guys love get coming to the draft, even guys who weren't in the league show up at the draft uh you know have a drink grab some food and and trash talk and make fun of guys when they make you know picks that they didn't agree with and and it became this huge deal where then when you have that draft sometime in august the whole rest of the season during batting practice in the locker room everything everybody's talking about the fantasy football when the nfl games get going and and, and i think a lot of the reason is because we can't play fantasy baseball being a baseball player it's tied to gambling it's um, you know, it, it essentially just eliminates it from contention. Guys love that competitive drive, and and that's their their avenue of having it um all, all, away from the field and, and making the rest of their day competitive with their teammates as well.
1: Yeah, and, and really bad news for you is that you got traded from the Marlins, so you didn't get to play in the Marlins League. And then by the time you got to Arizona, uh, they already had their teams picked, so you didn't get to play in either of those leagues that's a bummer.
2: Yeah. I, I at get, least got to be part of on. the draft in Arizona and, yeah. and, uh, you know, go and hang out and, and, you know, trash talk and help a couple teams out if they wanted some help. Uh, you know, that was kind of fun being, being the guy that kind of like everybody was coming to me for advice, but, right, but also yeah. like, I didn't have any stake in any of it. So I was just giving them, you know, unsolicited free advice. And, and, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, as soon as as soon as one of the guys that I told him to pick, you know, had went out and had a bad game in week two, I'm like, ah, you shouldn't have picked him. It doesn't matter that I told you, like you should have known better. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, too bad you weren't in the Marlins League because then I would have had some competition, you know, in that league. We uh yeah. we ended up taking well, congrats that. Congrats on your win.
2: Congrats on yeah, your win.
1: The only win ever probably for me. But imagine <laughs> that I get kind of summoned to uh to to be a co owner. By the best player on the team, and then we end up winning the championship. That ended up uh, really good. I'm still waiting for a little bit of a trophy shot on that. I haven't gotten – I don't, no residual effect from that. I'm going to have to uh, the, the call JT and see what's going on with that. Okay, so uh, as I mentioned, Brad Ziegler is going to be with us. We won't do introductions like this on every show, but since this is the first one, I figured it would be a good idea just to kind of reacquaint you guys. With who he is. Let, let's dive in a little bit to what happened in baseball last night, and then we'll do our three-up, three-down segment coming up in five minutes from now. Uh, Brad, let's talk about uh, Charlie Morton. Start off with him. 20-game uh, unbeaten streak last night, 7 nothing. The Rays beat the Tigers. Uh, excuse me, 4 nothing. The t- uh, Morton right now, 7-0 and on the season. So, you know, I saw this coming a couple of years ago, but Brad, honestly, with him going to Tampa, I just didn't expect the same results. And it looks like he is really the poster for older players that are pitchers in Major League Baseball carving out a second career for himself. How has he been able to do this?
2: Yeah, it's I mean, what he did is is something that most guys can't do. And, and I don't want to toot my own horn here, um, but in a sense, it's like when I whenever I tried to. Um, learned to pitch submarine. I had to completely reinvent how I threw, and it was like it was honestly like starting over again. He did that after multiple seasons in the big leagues. That's way harder to do because there there wasn't that season where after he did this, he got to go back into the minor leagues and kind of settle in and get a feel for it. He just went all out and did it, and I mean, it's it's incredible. It it shows a lot about his work ethic. Um, it shows a lot about his determination to to get the most out of what he had, and and he he took a pitcher that had, you know, Roy Halladay in and tried to mimic himself after him. I and mean, you talk about a guy for a decade was the guy, like the most dominant guy, the guy most respected in baseball among starting pitchers. Uh, and and a lot of that was because of his work ethic. And and that's something um, that is difficult to, to just pick up if you didn't have that already. Um, for him, the amount of time he had to put in to do that and then come back at the big league level, I, I can't imagine what it was like. Um, But I kudos to him because he's obviously figured it out and he is really fun to watch.
1: Yeah. And and I think that in most leagues, he's not somebody that you would sell high on because he continues to pitch at this level. Uh, Speaking of buying low, there was a time a couple of weeks ago, Brad, where Chris Sale was probably the ultimate buy low guy. But not everybody felt that way about him. Last night, a three hitter, he struck out 12 batters. In an eight to nothing win against Kansas City, was there ever ever any point, Brad, that fantasy owners or even you were worried about Sale at all in the regular season, or was that just kind of a, a first month and a half blip?
2: I, I I honestly feel like it was just the beginning of the season blip. I mean, he was pitching deep into October for the first time in his career. They were using him out of the bullpen at the at the end of the World Series. Um, it he had when that you watched what happened with the Giants players, uh, the Giants starters, Bumgarner, Kane, those guys. In 2010, 2012, 2014, they were tremendous. They they get deep into the playoffs, and that innings that the innings count takes its toll a little bit at the beginning of the next season. And when the season, you know, the, the odd-numbered years, the 11, 13, and 15 seasons came back, they were not the same guys at the beginning of the season, but they eventually kind of settled into who they were before. It just took a little bit to get going. And a lot of that is because I, I think um, when you have that high innings count, you pitch deep into October, you get – less work in spring training. They they take you a little slower. You're not able to kind of prepare like you were uh like you have every other year when you weren't a, a, a playoff pitcher. Um and and so for sale that I felt like the first month of the season kind of was his spring training and I I said that when when, when we did the FNTSY broadcast in New York for the the NTSB, I think it was is that that's right NFBC, league I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. NFBC, yeah. So yeah. um when when they when I I told them I had Sale as my number one pitcher. Um, I I had him over Scherzer because I truly believed in the the supporting cast around him. But I said at that time, don't be surprised if he gets off to a slow start because it's not the same workload in spring. And he's been phenomenal after he kind of got settled in. Yeah, he's been
1: great. A couple of minutes here before we take care of three up, three down. Your former team, Brad, the Marlins, uh, 16 runs and then eight last night. Brian Anderson hit a
2: grand slam. How all of a sudden are the Marlins scoring all of these runs? Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of it, you have to look to the the hitting coach change um, and and kind of getting settled in with a new coach. and But they're, I mean, you look at their K rate is down uh, over the last 18 games. From the first 41, it was 25%. Now it's down to 19. They've hit 23 homers in the last eight, 18 games, and it hit only 24 in the 41 games before that. Their batting average has gone from 218 in those first 41 to 280. That's a huge, huge jump. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to to that coaching staff and working with those players and believing in them, believing in them. And now they're on a, a roll. It's, yeah. um, and then you look at the pitching. I mean, they, they're, they're cutting down their They're a walk less per game during this stretch. Um, a, a you know, a third of a home run less per game in this stretch and their ERA is down over a point. It, it's all just kind of coming together. And you got to wonder, you know, yes, it's a small sample size, but is this not potentially the the beginning of this run that a lot of people uh, in the in the Marlins front office felt like was coming at some point. Maybe they just didn't think it was coming this fast.
1: I want no analysis. I just want the answer here. 30 seconds before we go to the break. The be- the best pitcher on the Miami Marlins is fill in the blank. One name, no analysis. Who? Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith. Okay, there you go. That's Brad Ziegler, former big league pitcher, 11 years, big fantasy player. He's going to help you every single week here on my show. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Frank Mish. And along with Zig, we'll come back and do three up, three down here on FNTSY. Don't go away. Maurice Allen, 2015
2: 2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017, world number one. Me personally,
0: I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker leaving the range or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to $500 when you open a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering on college and pro sports and you're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid your new account and claim your free wager of up to $500 today. Are you, or someone you love, one of the nearly one million Americans living with Parkinson's disease? There is no known cure, but you have the power to help change that by participating in a clinical trial. The Michael J. Fox Foundation will help get you started. Visit michaeljfox.org forward slash participant pack to download the new Parkinson's trial participant pack. It's free and available right now. That's michaeljfox.org forward slash participant pack. Visit today. The Morning After. StubHub profiled me. Now he's searching NBA Finals Raptors. So I call my buddy and I'm like, dear God, I'm like, it's $1,150 now. He sends me a text. He goes, you're an idiot. It's $850. And I'm like, dude, I'm staring at the computer right now. He sends me a screenshot of his phone. $300 less. What the? The same seat, by the way? Are we talking the same? Exactly. Can you believe that? that. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Now what goes up must come down. Three up, three down. What does three up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning.
1: Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. It's time for three up, three down. Our celebrity segment. Every single week we do this. And somehow we'll have to convince the powers that be to have Brad Ziegler do this like... A lot more often. But for now, we got him on Thursdays. And it is honestly a great pleasure and thrill to actually do a live show with Brad. Because as we sat last year eating some meal that we had at some point... And talked about this becoming a reality. It is now a reality. So thank you very much to David Katz. Thank you very much to Lou Mayone. Thank you very much to Mike Cardano. Chris Pavona, our producer. Everyone for making this happen. Special moment for me for sure to see this come true. So enough of the crying. Let's do three up, three down. You guys know how it works by now because we've been on the air for like a grand total of three days. Here's how it works. I'll give you three things trending up, three things trending down. Brad Ziegler will do the same. And I'm the leadoff man today. Maybe we'll let Zig lead off next week. Here we go. First up, Shohei Otani. He hit his third homer in his last five games. Brad Hand, 18 save last night, 1.27 earned run average. Hand's been one of the best closers in baseball. John Means of the Orioles. Let me give you my full transparency. Others will fake it. I will tell you the truth. I had never heard of John Means until spring training. I had never heard his name. And he has been the Orioles' best pitcher. David Bowden went four for four with a three-run bomb, and those three players are trending up for me in fantasy baseball in our three-up, three-down segment. Zig, what do you got for
2: your up in three-up, three-down? Take it away. All right, I'm, I'm going to look at the MLB draft, and and I did. I just picked a random year five years ago because I, I felt like there's been a trend, and, and I think the trend... Going up is the trend for four-year college players and this was not more evident i looked at the 2014 draft just picked a random draft five years ago and looked at the stats on the first day that that year there were 200 or 105 picks um 53 of them were from four-year players 49 high school kids so about a 50 50 split also three juco kids this year there were 78 picks so so 20 what 23 less picks this year um 51 four-year players so basically the same number of four-year players but only 25 high school kids drafted i think teams are starting to figure out first round higher draft picks you need to go with the guys who who you've seen for three more years and and are are a lot closer to the big leagues to to try to maximize your investment and i love that for for college players all right congratulations on doing football on our baseball show thank you so much appreciate it thanks
1: you know, we're we're trying to knock out baseball here. You know, it's June
2: sixth. No, no, no. that was baseball. That was baseball. Oh, that was the MLB baseball? draft. Yeah. Oh, I thought you, I thought you said year. I thought you said football there for a minute. Four-year player. Oh, if I did, I apologize. This was the okay. the first day of the of the MLB draft this year. Three days I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I thought we My talked fault. about this last night.
1: Okay, no. Okay, no, okay. All right, can we go back and edit that out, Chris? On
2: demand, can we
1: can we change that so I don't look like the <laughs> idiot here? Thank you. All right, uh 3 up 3 down, my second one. Now listen, I may pronounce this wrong, okay? But her name is Amanda Aminesova. I think I got that right. 17-year-old girl from New Jersey, originally from Russia. She's two wins away from winning the French Open. Now let me say that again. She's 17 years old. Like this is going all the way back to like Martina Hingis young. And she beat the three seed at the French Open this morning. So keep an eye on that this weekend. Amanda, of Minnesota, two wins away from being 17 years old and winning at Roland Garros. That's crazy. Okay, so that's my second trending up on three up, three down. Let me not screw this one up. You, let me turn it back over to you for your second.
2: All right, I'm going to switch over to college basketball then. I'm going to beat you to this a little bit, but a, diff- a different one than than what you're going to say for your number three. Okay. Mine Got is that the, I'm a Kansas Jayhawks fan. Uh, Silvio De Sosa last year um, was a top prospect the year before he came in. Halfway through the season was suspended last year for basically 80 games. Two two full seasons of suspension for his, his Guardian taking $2,500 from a shoe company. Um, uh, according to the Guardian, he didn't know where the money came from. It showed up in an unmarked envelope. He donated it to his church. Who knows if you believe that? But the NCAA, for the first time that I can remember has allowed DeSosa to win his appeal and made him eligible last year. And that's, for, for me, the NCAA makes so many bad decisions. And, and overall, I think they're just massively trending down. But this one decision, I feel like they they are not punishing the kid for something that someone else did that did not benefit him in any way. And I feel like, if, from that standpoint, that I'll give the NCAA the benefit of the doubt on this one and say they made the right decision.
1: All right. Good call there. Yeah. And and I think that at some point they got to pay college kids. I mean, that's probably the most generic answer and generic statement, but something's got to be done. And it's just avoidable at that point. But some people don't feel that way. And I get it. But, you know, to me, we're, we're in that direction. The amount of money that's made in college sports and when we did the show on Monday, I was talking to my producer uh, Chris Pavona about this. The Northeast, and which is where our studios are at FNTSY, uh, you know, Brad. They they really, truthfully, don't get it. You know, in terms of college sports. And in the South and in the West and in the Midwest where there are so many prominent players in schools, it's just a different animal. And so the money's being made. There's just no reason why they can't pay these kids. But that's where we're at. Uh, College basketball, I have one as well. How about that? Two college basketballs on a baseball show. College basketball approved. Listen to this. Moving back the three-point line to international length next year. How about that? So they move it from 20 feet to about 21. So it's like a foot. And this is to make the game more fast-moving, more exciting, and it also opens up the perimeter. So look for that next year. And by the way, for those of you who are into the wagering, understand that a lot of the totals will probably be going... I would say more under as opposed to over, but we'll just have to see that happened for sure this year. No doubt. Okay. So that's my three things trending up. You've done two. hit me with the third one. I I
2: love, I love that one. So uh, today 75th anniversary of D day. um, And and to commemorate that a a foundation that is very near and dear to my heart, the Bob Feller active valor foundation uh, is doing special celebrations in three locations. Uh, One of them at the baseball heritage museum in Cleveland, one at the Yogi Berra Museum in, in Montclair, New Jersey, and and one that fortunately I, I will have the pleasure of attending uh, at the Negro Leagues Museum uh, here in Kansas City. And uh, the purpose of the foundation is to educate the future generations uh, about ballplayers who served in the military and, and what we call the greatest generation uh, of the game. And um, I, I just think it's a fantastic honor. Anytime you, you have an opportunity to commemorate something as big as D-Day and and educate today's today's uh, younger people on on how important that was in our nation's history. I I think any chance you get an opportunity to do that, you have to do it. And and I love that they're, you know, uh, uh, they've, I feel grateful they've made me a part of it, and I feel really good uh, about the work this foundation is doing, especially in this celebration.
1: Yep, and you've certainly, I know for for firsthand knowledge how much you're into that and have donated money to charities in the past, and that's all good. But we're not going to let you get away from being on this show without ripping some people. So that's what we're going to do next in our three down things that are trending down. I'll start Felix Pena of the Angels, seven earned runs in one two-thirds. And I don't know if anyone can explain this one to me. I've been doing fantasy shows on the radio for 10 years. And I feel like for the last 10 years, someone calls me on the radio and says, Kevin Gosman's going to be a good pitcher. I mean, it hasn't been 10 years. It's probably been five, six, seven. I don't know what it's been. Seven runs in five innings yesterday. And if the Atlanta Braves do not get themselves some starting pitching help, they are not going to make the postseason. Fulton A, which has not been great gossman has not been good they have all these young kids in the minors they didn't trade any of them in the offseason but they don't call them up or make a trade the braves are going to be on the outside
2: looking in and that's what i'll start off with today what about you uh, I'm, I'm going to go straight to the qualifying offer and, and the, the draft pick compensation or the or the loss of picks for signing uh, you know the qualifying offer free agents. I think this is atrocious for baseball. Um, I understand that the initial reason when they, they put it in was they didn't want the Yankees buying all these free agents from the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland A's and the A's essentially getting nothing out of it just because they couldn't afford to pay the players. That's all fine and good, but the system is getting worse because now you're having guys sit out half the season because essentially maybe their asking price was high to begin with but when they come down into the realistic zone they have to sit out another month because teams don't want to lose a draft pick or, or lose multiple draft picks depending on the team the system's too complicated because now it's based on whether or not they're receiving revenue sharing, whether or not they're a revenue payer, whether or not they've gone over the, the CBT uh, it, it's it's just, uh, get rid of it It's you need your best product on the field you're losing fans every single year at ballparks and, and part of the reason I feel like is because you are making this so much about petty money stuff when in reality you need these best players on the field to make teams as good as possible and and bring fans back to the park
1: yeah we don't want to go through it again that's for sure but every year there's free agents we will but as we talked about about 15 minutes ago you could listen on demand 24 7 I, i think that we're going to find less free agents because of the contract extensions but a good point by you in our three up three down segment here's number two for me drake The Raptors fan that everybody loves to hate went on Instagram and trolled Klay Thompson for missing the game last night. So that battle continues. Let me ask you, Brad. I mean, is Drake the most annoying celebrity fan that you've ever encountered in your life? Like, he has just taken over social media. He has taken over every single sporting event. And at the championship game, he's basically trolled other teams. He's lost virtually every time. This is the closest that Drake has come to his actual team winning a championship.
2: Yeah, he, at least in the moment, he's extremely annoying. Um, I, you know, there, there've been a lot of other annoying celebrity fans at at sporting events, uh, but the, the back rub with the head coach was just too far. Like just make this about the team and, and how good Kawhi Leonard and and these other players are playing. Um, They're about to, in my opinion, knock off the, the, you know, the three or four time out of the last five years. Wow. Champs. And it's, I, I think Toronto wins this series in six games. And, and I think um, I, it you needs to be about the players and not about Drake. Yep, that's for sure. All right, what do you got for your second one? All right, so for me, the trending down is the umpires calling their own balls and strikes. Uh, the, the video of Angel Hernandez is circulating all over the internet. The pitch was right down the middle. He called it a ball. But this is not just about Angel Hernandez. This is about all of baseball. Balls and strikes are, are a constant argument. They talk about speeding up the game. I don't think there's a better way to do it. Than putting an electronic strike zone in, have have a light pop on in center field when the ball passes through the zone. You have the umpire still signaling it for everybody to see on TV, whatever, and and all players can you know get get their information from the umpire. They don't have to look at the light. But at some point, the the way technology is being implemented in sports today, this is going to happen. And and I feel like they need to get out in front of this, get involved with with electronic strike zone instead of waiting for a huge blown call in a game seven of a World Series that costs a team a championship. And then they do it in a reactive way. It's, it's not a lot different to me than uh, the, the protective nets down the foul lines. Be proactive instead of waiting for someone to get hurt. I feel the same way about the electronic strike zone. Make it make it a thing as, sooner than later.
1: I feel the same way about sitting in the press box last year, watching uh, strikes of yours being called balls, and seeing how annoyed you got. Like that, that, <laughs> that. Some of my best highlights from last year was that. That was fun. Okay, my final one for sure. Uh, Sophie Turner, otherwise known as Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones, she blames Kit Harington, otherwise known as Jon Snow, for leaving the coffee cup in the scene of last year's Game of Thrones. Now, before I get to your last one, Brad, how is it possible that anybody should be blamed outside of the people who are shooting the show and editing the show? Like, how did that even make The final cut. I don't get it. Like, they are the ones to blame. So that is my way down on my three up, three down today. I don't get that one.
2: Yeah, and I – it doesn't matter whose cup it was to drink it. It's all about the fact that, like, this was sitting on the table right next to people. And this will tell you how addicted most of them probably are to coffee because it didn't even register to them that it shouldn't be there. When they're sitting there acting through, they're – they're like, oh, yeah, a cup of coffee next to me. I lived my whole life that way. It, it just wasn't a big deal to them. And, and yeah, the, the whoever, especially the cameramen, the editing, they needed to figure this out. And, and you know, even if they could have just CGI'd it out of the shot, one way or another, this had to happen. And, and I can't believe it didn't. And I, I don't blame Jon Snow at all. He's, he's the man. <laughs> all right. What's your, what's your third one here? All right. I, I'm going to go uh, trending downward. The Phoenix Area Mountain Rescue Squad. There was a 74-year-old woman uh, who was hiking on Pietzwa Peak and, and was injured. They, they called 911. They fly a helicopter in to, to load her into a, the Stokes basket to, to lift her off. And as they're lifting her off, she starts to spin and spin and spin and spin. And for almost a full minute, she was spinning at a pretty high rate. I cannot imagine what it would have been like to lay in that basket and just all of a sudden be spinning, getting dizzy and have zero concept of where you're at how high up you are fortunately she was not hurt any worse um she obviously was very dizzy and and nauseated uh but they said there's there's a a rope that's supposed to be connected that prevents it from spinning you know with the the massive amount of wind coming down from the helicopter blades for whatever reason either it didn't work or they didn't connect it or whatever but but that's enough for me to not want to go climb any mountains soon because i know it's dangerous and I want to have full confidence in the rescue crew. And at this point, I definitely do not. Well, I I, I saw the video
1: and it made me a little sick, but in the end, I get what you're saying. Like, I just, I'm not big into those like rides and spins and to have that happen to me and not know is pretty petrifying for sure. Okay. That's our three up three down segment for today. And uh, Brad Ziegler, kind enough to join us here on the first uh, almost 40 minutes of the show Ah, uh, we'll check back in with you, Zig next week here on the show. But before we let you go, tell us a little bit about the podcast that you have going uh, at the athletic. In fact, you know what? let's do this. Let's do this. i'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible here. and I'm gonna ask if you can do the final twenty minutes of the show here, leading you up to uh, I know you have business at one o'clock Eastern, twelve o'clock Central. Could you stick around? For another 20 minutes so we can actually do the content that we had planned
2: (laughs) here on the show, which we didn't get to
1: because we're just not we're just doing nonsense here and having fun. And the time got a little bit away from us. So so you can. around. let's do it. We'll go back over
2: some fantasy baseball and actually get our listeners what they got on to hear.
1: Yeah, that's a shame. I don't think they'll ever get to hear from us what they really want, given the fact that you and I will be nonsensical a lot. But coming up next, for those of you who have fantasy pitchers with one or two starts, or you have fantasy pitchers that you're just wondering when you're getting trade offers that they're having great seasons, Brad, who pitched in the big leagues for more than a decade, has not only seen but opposed a lot of these pitchers. So he's going to tell you whether or not you should hang on or you should cut bait with some of these guys. And he'll also project the kind of season that they will have from June 6th all the way through the end of September. This is FNTSY. This is Brad Ziegler, Craig Mish, here on the Fantasy Sports Network. We'll be back with pitching analysis from the man of the hour, Brad Ziegler, right after this. Don't go away.
0: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish.
1: Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Brad Ziegler in the house. If you want to call up and say hello, here's the phone number. 844-843-6879. Now, the, the one thing that Brad will not do is he will not... Be around when we do our next segment. Now this is Chris Pavona's favorite one here coming up in a second because at some point in the second hour of the show we have committed to the fans and the people who listen to FNTSY. We are not going to impose our will upon you, so to speak. And um, what we do is we call the uh, the segment. Uh, you make the call. You make the call. Oh hi, Mark. All right, before we get back into the fantasy baseball discussion, put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com grid, where you'll receive a free bet up to $500. That's a free bet up to $500 when you open up a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, and in-game wagering. College pro sports, you're in control. FanDuel.com grid. Open your account. Claim your free wager of up to $500 today. Okay, Brad. So here's the deal. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. I'm gonna throw three things out there, and the fans get to choose what I talk about in the second hour of the show. Do you think that this is a wise idea for me to do? I, I'm taking a little risk, aren't I?
2: Yeah, to to a point, you're taking a risk, but I, I think the bigger risk is is if you're the one coming up with the topics because they're probably not going to be that great.
1: Yeah. Well, that's true, and um, that's been proven years and years of radio. Got yeah, kicked off the last one. Okay. Uh, here it is. You make the call. Uh, uh, choice A, top fantasy closers. And uh, choice B is replacing Carlos Carrasco, who you can replace Carlos Carrasco with. And, and maybe Brad can give you some cues on that because we're going to talk about some potential pitchers. And then uh, what we always do is our, our great producer of the show, Chris Bavona, we're giving him the opportunity to talk on this show with you make the call. But he, hasn't, he has yet to receive enough votes to talk about this subject. So, uh, Chris, the third subject is your dog, Chris Bavona's dog. Uh, Chris, do you think you could handle talking about your dog for 10 minutes? That's one of the That's easiest, greatest things I could do for you. Okay, so there you go. So if you guys vote for Chris Bavona's dog, we'll do a whole segment on it. It may be the last show we do, but the choice is yours. So <laughs> you make the call. Go to Twitter right now, at Craig Mish. Uh, I'll retweet it. Chris posted it on the FNTSY radio account. Pick one. Top Fantasy Closers replacing Carlos Carrasca and Chris Pavone's dog. Chris texts me now. He cannot do the whole segment. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. So much for the Rays, Chris. So much for the Rays. Okay. Uh, Let's go over some pitchers, Brad, if you don't mind. And I want to go through some pitchers that are pitching at a very high level this season and ask you if you think they can maintain the rest of the year. Now, understanding, and, and Brad, you certainly know how fantasy works because you play football for many, many years. When you have a player, like a running back or a wide receiver, that's off to a tremendous start, it may not be the worst thing in the world if you don't think that they can continue it to trade the player. So let me throw out three pitchers for you. We'll go one by one, and you tell me what you think. We'll start off with the Dodgers, who you faced the Dodgers a million times when you were with the Diamondbacks, and that's Hunjin Ru who looks like the Cy Young Award candidate in the NL at this time. He's probably going to start the All-Star game if he makes three or four more good starts like this. But the bottom line is that if you own Hunjin Ryu in a 12-team league and you can get a hitter back in return, would you
2: trade Ryu, or do you think that this is legit? No, I I definitely think this is legit. And the the biggest thing is he... He came back from the, you know, he missed all 2015, came back in in 2016 and and had it, you know, one bad outing, kind of had a setback. And he's been pretty good since then. You know, 2017 was all right. But last year, he was fantastic when he pitched. And, and this year, he's basically duplicating that number. It's it's And I, I think this is just who he is. He's kind of figured it out. He's made big adjustments in his game, especially when it comes to walks. The last two years, his walk rates have have gone way down. This year, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's walked five guys in 80 innings. That's unheard of. That's, that's Kershaw-esque numbers. And I, I almost wonder if he didn't sit there and watch Kershaw pitch for the first four years of his career and be like, you know what? This guy's really got something whenever he just attacks the strike zone – he is really good. And and there's at this point in their career, Ryu's stuff is just as good as Kershaw's. And so there's no reason he can't be just as effective if he if he kind of models uh, that same approach. And And I I am all in on Ryu the rest of the season. Uh, I, I say stick with him because I think you're going to have a really hard time uh, getting the value for him that it would be worth um, keeping him in your lineup.
1: All right, so Brad Ziegler, thumbs up on Hunjin Ryu. Hold on a Hunjin Ryu. Okay, uh, Jake Odorizzi of the Minnesota Twins. I don't think it's any coincidence, Brad, that we're talking about the best team in the NL and the best team in the AL. Odorizzi has led the Twins staff to a 8-2, and 1.96 earned run average. His ERA plus leads the majors. 9.8 strikeouts per nine, which is a career high for him. 70 Ks in 64 innings. We know that he was a workhorse in Tampa. He hasn't been quite the same in Minnesota until this year. So the question is, Brad, is this a hold on Odorizzi? Is it it a trade on him? What would you do
2: with him? Because simply put, this is the peak that he's ever been over the course of his career. And I'll say this. I actually think you hold on him and you want to keep him on your team. And the reason is because of how he's being managed by the twins. They are not letting him get to that third time in the order. Very often. He's only, he's done it nine games, but he's only done it with a handful of hitters. He's not getting to the middle of the order, the bottom of the order, every single start they're cutting him off. He's averaging just over five innings a start. And I think that is the the perfect amount for him. And because of how he's being managed, and how good that team is, if, if he's just going to go out and throw five innings and let the bullpen take over, most of the time, he, the way they're hitting, he's going to have a six-run lead uh, when he leaves the game. He's going to be in line for W's. His, his numbers are, in the first two times through the order are really good. I, I don't think there's any reason to get rid of him. And if you start seeing him stretch a little more later in the season out to that third time in the order, that's when, to me, the red flags uh, you know might be thrown up. But I I think the Twins have figured this out about him, and they feel like this is how he's most effective. And and I think he could definitely keep duplicating this the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, That's the voice of Brad Ziegler. Even if Odorizzi is a five- or 6 inning guy, and, Zig, would you agree that their attempt to get Kimbrell may be something in the future to keep an eye on, that they make an attempt to get, like, a Shane Green from Detroit or a Colome or a closer from someone else? Because then, Zig, think about that. All he would need to do is get five— and then you have that Parker and Rogers and the bullpen, along with whoever they get to pitch the ninth inning, right? Like that—that that yeah, even for make sure. Them more valuable, right?
2: Yeah. This this the fact that they were going after Kimbrel that tells you that they're willing to spend at a minimum because they knew what he, uh, approximately what he was going to cost. So they're going to go and get. They could essentially go and get the best reliever on the market if they're willing to spend it and, and give up the prospects. And I think they feel like they've got a legit, you know, a, a playoff-contending, World Series-contending team. They're not going to miss this opportunity. They're going to go grab somebody at the deadline, uh, if not earlier. And and yeah, that just makes Oda Rizzi and, and all the rest of the twin starters that much more valuable.
1: And when we get to the July trade deadline, Brad Ziegler will be with us. And on that deadline day, we'll go through what he was thinking when he was traded that day and kind of the trades that happened and, and what was going through teams' minds in both fantasy and reality. Okay, our final pitcher that has gotten off to a better start than I think that most people thought is Jordan Lyles of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, I loved Lyles when he was drafted and and even when he went to Houston, but he has not had a good career. (laughs) Let me just be clear about that. Lyles (laughs) has not been what anybody thought that he would be, but all of a sudden he found something last year in Milwaukee, Brad, and he's carried that over to the Pirates this year. 3.38 earned run average, 61 strikeouts in 61 innings, that's nine strikeouts per nine. If he maintains that, that's a career high. You never really know where the Pirates are going to be in any particular situation, and they do have young kids in the minors as well. But I don't know, Brad, could you even get anything back if you tried to trade Jordan Lyles? He's a tough one. I'm not sure what to do with him.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know that you're going to be able to get this same production throughout the rest of the year. The strikeout numbers are are the the one that I, I think he's going to have a difficult time duplicating um, you know, over the course of a full season, he's, you know, a lot of guys, especially guys with, um, you know, low, low innings count. So over the course of, I mean, he's, he's not, he hadn't pitched more than what 80 something innings in the last three or four seasons. I don't think you're going to see him really carry that, that high stamina into the 150th inning of the season late, you know, late in August. So, um, I think at some point he's going to start to dwindle, but I, I, like you said, it'd be tougher to. Tough to get anything, you know, really valuable for him right now. But I would try to see if he can get another two or three good starts, get some some really good mojo trending his way, and then try to sell high on him at that point. Because I, I think at some point this year, um, his stamina collapses, and he's not able to produce at the same level.
1: Brad Ziegler, Craig Mish here on FNTSY Radio, eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. Those are three pitchers that have gotten off to really good starts, and Zig says that Ryu and Odorizzi are holds. Lyles is just one of those guys that you may have no choice but to hold. Now let's go through some of the pitchers that have gotten off to tough starts and wonder if they are good by Lolo candidates. We'll start off with Aaron Nola on the Phillies. Now, he's just been real inconsistent. I know that he was taking a lot of fantasy drafts, Brad, usually in the second or third round. Some people had him as their fantasy ace, and that hasn't really worked out. I am surprised. I I thought that he would be better, but it's a long year, and there certainly is a chance that his numbers could get better. Some people have blamed the juice ball on on some of these pitchers. I don't know. Do you see anything when you look deeper into his numbers that would lead you to believe that he'll be very good in the second half, or is this just kind of who he is? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I— there are a couple things that concern me. Number one, over last year, his home runs per nine has doubled, and his walk per nine has almost doubled, also. And those are those are extremely scary statistics for me. The fact that he's six and one at this point, I, I know, like you know, wins are only a, a you know one factor, and and a lot of times they're not predictable. But that tells you how good the Phillies can be when he's pitching. Whenever he's he's struggling mightily compared to where he's been. And he's still winning games and, and not losing games. Let's put it that way. So um, there is an opportunity to turn around, but he's going to have to get the, the home run and walk numbers down to have any shot at being the guy he's been the last couple of years. Noah Syndergaard, if I told you at the beginning of the season he had 81
1: strikeouts and 82 innings pitched, coming off a season where he had 155 strikeouts and 154 innings pitched, then you probably would say that he's having a good year. But he's only, he only has three wins, and we know that, as you mentioned, that's not a product of him. It's more of a product of the team. But his ERA, 4.83 on the season. His FIP, 3.61. His Ks per nine are in line with his year, his career. His walks per nine are in line, but the home run total, Zig has doubled from where it was last year. So, again, product of the ball, product of the pitcher,
2: I'm just not sure. Well, I, I definitely buy into the fact that the ball has changed over the last few years, but I, I don't see when you have a guy with this stuff, the only way that he gets hit to me is number one, he has command issues. And I'm not saying command in the sense of like, he, he he's throwing too many balls, not enough strikes is command within the strike zone. I look at throwing strikes as control uh, and throwing balls as a lack of control, but command is, is what I look at as control within the strike zone. I feel like he's gotten too predictable and his command in the zone is not very good because for him to when you have the stuff he does for him to give up as many hard hit balls as he has. I, I don't I, like, I don't understand how it's possible. Like it's you have to essentially as a other team, you have to know what's coming. You have to be guessing the right zone. I, I I wonder if he doesn't if they don't need to switch up what catcher he's throwing with Um, one way or another switch up a game plan. But that being said, at the same time. He was not good in April and he's been better in May, even though May has not been perfect. He, you know, he had the one rough start against Detroit, uh, but he is trending in the right direction. And I, that's a guy that I, if you can go out and get him at at a, you know, at a reasonable price, a a cheap price, I think there's a chance that he may be starting to kind of figure things out along the way. Um, You know, he's not going to be a low walk guy. He's never been a low walk guy. Um, The home runs are, are, you know, they're definitely a concern uh, for the, for the season totals, but it seems like they've just been kind of like games where, you know, he'll give up a couple homers in a game. Then he won't give up any for the next two games and then he'll give up another couple homers. And it's kind of just a rhythm thing for him. And um, my, my inkling is that he would be a really good buy low candidate right now.
1: Yeah. I'm just not in on him. I I wasn't in on him at the beginning of the season. He's like my Gronk. Zig. He's like the guy that I can't, you don't own two years in a row. You just don't want to go through the frustration. It's like the, like the fantasy football comparison there. That's fair. Uh, yeah, but but either way, the last one, this was a pitcher that so many people were high on as we wrap up this hour of the show. Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, going into the year, he was a favorite for a lot of people. 73 Ks in 66 innings, 6 wins, 3 losses, so that's good. But his ERA, 4.88. His whip is 1.37. It It's basically his career is almost a little bit below 1.3. Strikeouts per nine, pretty much where they were last year. Now, Zig, the Red Sox are going to win a lot of games, so you would assume that the wins would be there, but they haven't been there for sale.
2: I mean, this is something that could really correct itself in the second half. I'm a little bit worried here. How about you? I'm worried in the sense that, like, I just wasn't as high on him as everybody else was to start the season because he's basically, the ERA is a little high, but he's basically, other than that, performing at the same rates that he has his whole career. His, his you know his per 9 is is you know an one hit extra higher um his home run rate is up for sure but his his walks per 9 uh is is right in in line with where he was his strikeouts per 9 right in line with where he was strikeouts per walks even in line with where he was i think this is just kind of who he is he's going to be a low 4 zra at the end of the season he's going to strike out a, a batter an inning he's going to have a you know a decent walk rate He's just gonna give up some hits along the way and, and it's it's you know it's a little frustrating from a whip standpoint, uh, because he's he's not in the, the low ones and he's not gonna be in the low ones. That's just I, I, I think he's just kind of who he's been the last few years, and I would have said that at the beginning of the season. Well, Zig, listen, it's uh always a pleasure
1: talking to you, although we we talk a lot, but uh some great knowledge here on this show. And what I wanna do with you. Is get it? Give me. Uh, we have a minute to go. Give me an idea as to where people can hear you outside of uh of FNTSY, and tell people about the Athletic and the podcast that you do there.
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm on a podcast with uh, Jake Sealy and Chris Meany. Uh, it's called Sports Unsealed, and um, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's it's kind of everything. There's a little bit of baseball. There's a little bit of football. There's a little bit of pop culture. There's we've talked NBA and hockey. Um, it, it's kind of everything right now, and and uh, we have fun with it. Uh, it's every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, and, you know, love it if you catch over there, but but don't forget to come back every Thursday and listen to us here, too, because we're going to have a lot of fun on the show. Yeah, we will. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Listen, have a great weekend. We'll talk over the weekend. That's Brad
1: Ziegler, former big league pitcher and fantasy analyst, and he's going to be one of the best in the industry. There is no doubt in my mind. Hour number two of FST is coming up next. Don't go away.